in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, he has trouble with the snap. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. Hour number two. Recap in a busy NFL weekend. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. Oh, boy. Let's talk Raiders this hour. Chuck Esposito will join us. Over at Red Rock, the Station Casino's Executive Director of Race and Sports. Always great talking to Chuck on Mondays. Rest of the week, we've got, of course, Terrible Tuesday coming your way tomorrow. And then plenty of college and NFL guests coming your way. And then Aces as well. We'll talk to some Aces front office execs. And remember, the Aces and the Liberty will tip it off Sunday at 12 noon. Game 1 of the WNBA Finals. What a series it's going to be as the Aces sweep Dallas. They win Friday night. 64-61, sweep Dallas. Aces have won nine in a row, and then the New York Liberty dispose of the Connecticut Sun, a team they've really dominated all season long. They beat them three games to one. I was kind of bummed, guys. I mean, we we did Friday's show. Well, Marco and Numchuck, you guys were here, but you know, I was in in Dallas at the arena. Houston Nut came on, and uh, also that night, I don't know if you guys caught the. Um, uh, the game on the radio, but uh, my halftime guest was Eric Musselman, the former Nevada coach, UNR, whatever you want to call him, you know, Kings, Warriors, coach NBA, and he's been doing a fantastic job at Arkansas. So they both invited me to the Arkansas-Texas A&M game, Houston Nutt and Eric Musselman, and I'm going, man, I wouldn't mind if we lose here. <laughs> because it was at Jerry's World. That's what I was saying. Which I didn't realize until... You know, we were on the show Friday, right before the show, like, oh my God, it's right next door, it's down the street. And I really would like to see a game at that stadium. And then I knew that the Patriots were playing the Cowboys. And I said, man, okay, I'm going to see if I can get my way in there. But I had carte blanche, I had tailgate, I had barbecue, nunchucks te- texting me. I think you're in the group text as well, texting all of us about, you know, hey man, you know, you got to get home. You can't go to that game, but you might be going to the game. No, I did not say that to you. I would have stayed. I would have at the earliest. I would have flew, taken a because it was twelve o'clock start, noon Eastern. Yeah, you could have went to the well, the Arkansas. Forget the Sunday game. My my, no. fl- my flight left at twelve thirty p.m., but I'd have to change the flight. But it's not my flight to change. I'm supposed to call the organization. Hey, uh, you know, can we spend an extra five hundred bucks because I want to go go suey pig. Uh, didn't they what? Have- <laughs> I can't do that. So they didn't have a flight scheduled for coming back Monday? No, because the way it worked, the way we did it, we booked the flights for planning on the sweep because we've already won the first two games. So it's like, okay, but then again, if you have that flight, because it's a lot easier to get a flight later than, you know, early, you know what I'm saying? So you don't go, oh, okay, let's plan a Monday flight and then, because everyone wants to get home, you know? So then try to get a flight at midnight because we didn't get out of there until midnight, you know, on uh, Friday night. So that's the way you had to play it. I was it's not like you have this charter, Marco, just, you know, yeah. your own personal jet just waiting there, you know. That's why I mean, Mark Davis does, but, you know, can't fit everybody with Mark Davis's plan. That's why I told you during the game. Mark didn't come, by the way. Tell Asia's dumbass coach yeah. to just kind of, you know, hey, <laughs> take it easy. Yeah. I kind of got some plans this weekend. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad I did not go to either game because I would have been rooting for Arkansas and they didn't win. A&M won. And the Cowboy game was a blowout, which I had that game. Uh, did you have Dallas? I or did. You didn't touch it? I had yeah. Dallas. So, but 38 to three, I wouldn't have wanted to see that. New England's got problems. Yeah. And, you know, Mac Jones was as bad as you could be again yesterday. And, I don't know what he's going to do. I this is this is a point where Belichick in New England, you know, his coaching career there, he's never had a team like this. You know, he 
remember he still got to what last year's team was pretty pretty similar to this team you know they were they they were and again jones was a year you know younger not experienced and but here's but he was coming off the rookie year where he looked good you know we we thought oh yeah he's going to be fine he did not do he regressed instead of improved from year one to year two but that patriots defense really carried them last year Right. And go back before Mac, they almost were a 500 team the year that he had Cam Newton, and Cam yeah. Newton couldn't even throw the ball downfield. Well, yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. Um, I think that's a little reactionary or overreactionary because I thought that was a great spot for the Cowboys. I really did because as bad as they had played the week before, they're going to come back and do well. We saw what they were capable of scoring, what, 80 points in the first two weeks. So I wasn't thinking thirty-eight to three, but I just figured they were gonna, you know, win by at least a touchdown, and they were going to win this game. So I just think that you're never as is as good as your worst game, and never as good as you know, never as bad as your last game, or, or you know what I'm saying, never as bad. As I know the game I say you it all lose, the time. you say it all the time, <laughs> but. Yeah, so I don't think it's time to panic in New England. I think I think they're going to be okay, and I still got some confidence in Mac Jones. I think they're they're okay. But again, it's all about matchups. I mean, the Patriots uh, against a, a hungry Dallas team coming off subpar performance. Good spot for Dallas. Bad spot for New England. And who's New England got next week? Uh, I have to look. That I mean, up. it's you know we can look at it, but the it, it, you know the thing I'm going to say though about New England is right now they're very similar to the Jets, where you're going to get a divide if the offense doesn't start scoring. The defense wears out and, you know, you get a locker room divided. You know, they're, they're doing all the work and keeping New them Orleans. in the games. It just can't, you, the offense got to do something. And Mac Jones now for this season and last year has not shown me any improvement at all. Now he had the second half of the Philadelphia game. Remember, he put up big numbers in that game. Yeah. But he also had the game changing play. That threw the seventy-yard interception for a touchdown uh, in that one that turned you know the Philadelphia game around and put them you know behind the eight ball in that game. I just you know I'm not impressed with them. Uh, they're they're a team that needs a lot of help. I think uh, other they don't have any playmakers. They're a mid-level team, and yeah. this is this is the problem sometimes with you you get teams that. You know, and, and the same thing has been with the Steelers a few years, and that's why we had to trade up last year to get where they got to to get Pickett, and they traded up this year. It's a situation that when you're just hovering around 500 or one game or two games over 500, you're not a great team, but you're not a bad team. The problem is you're drafting every year in the bottom third of the of the league you're not getting those top draft picks and every team that's in, that's had you know big time turnarounds has been somebody that hit rock bottom and was able to find that you know diamond in the rough with the high draft choice that, that cashed in everybody gets a number 1 but let's face it there's not 32 number 1 quality draft picks out there the bottom of the barrel you're not improving your team as much as the other teams are bottom of the barrel any meatballs down there <laughs> uh, got a couple on this team it looks like all right let's talk about the raiders losing to the chargers uh this is a game that kind of fluctuated during the week um waiting to see if jimmy garoppolo is going to play when we did the show on friday had the feeling he was going to play because he was still in concussion protocol today we're hearing that he's still not cleared out of concussion protocol. And Josh McDaniel said something very interesting during his press conference this morning and said, well, he's pretty much at the same place he was last week. I mean, you shouldn't be at the same place as last week. So that tells you, it, you know, the NFL is very, and we talked about this also last week, very careful about this concussion protocol. And they're going to be 100% certain, which I understand before they clear anybody, especially a quarterback. But, the debate was wasn't even a debate. It, I guess it was the guessing game. Who is going to start at quarterback for the Raiders? Is it going to be Brian Hoyer? Is it going to be Aiden O'Connell? All right. I was pretty vocal about what I thought was going to happen and should have happened, and I said, "Well, it's going to be Brian Hoyer." I agree because Brian Hoyer. This is why you got him. 
He knows the system. He's a veteran guy. O'Connell's a guy that you drafted in the fourth round. Sure, you're going to play him in the preseason because you're not going to risk injury to Garoppolo and you're not going to risk injury to Hoyer. So, but now you're talking about an NFL start against a division opponent. You're coming off the two straight losses to Buffalo and to the Steelers. You got to win this game. So, no, you're not going to play a fourth-round rookie. And we heard people, like you'll use your moniker from the betting perspective, you know, the, the Joes or whatever, are thinking like Joe Public going like, look what he did during the preseason. Stop that. He's going against third and fourth stringers in the preseason. It means absolutely nothing. You can't gauge that. You're going to put him against Boza and company. I know the Chargers don't have a great defense, but Khalil Mack, hello? You don't put a rookie in that situation. So I firmly believe they're going to go Hoyer. And then yesterday morning, I'm hearing reports that like, well, game time decision, it's going to be O'Connell or Hoyer. It's like, McDaniel, are you playing the game? I mean, are you serious? And he started O'Connell. So for people to think that that was a good move, I'm sorry. It's not a good move. Not even close. It's not even debatable. Now you're going to look after the fact and say, hey, he was 24 for 39 for 238 yards. Okay. Against a very, what, mediocre defense? You use that? No touchdowns, one big interception, crucial interception. Oh, by the way, he was sacked seven times. He was sacked six times by one guy, former Raider Khalil Mack. Don't you think he had this game circle on his calendar, licking his chops? I don't know what Hoyer would have done. But isn't this why you sign this guy? You sign him away from another team to back up Garoppolo in case of this emergency happened, which we all knew Garoppolo is going to be injured at some point in time. He always is. Horrible move, again, by Josh McDaniels coming off the Pittsburgh debacle. I agree 100%. If this would have been week six or seven and the Raiders are two and five, one and five, two and five, then yeah, Hoyer's not saving you, okay? You're looking to the future to see if Aiden O'Connell is going to be any part of that future. You don't do it in week four when you're one and two and a win puts you right back in in the thick of things at two and two. It was an idiotic move. I have not liked any of the moves that Josh McDaniel has done this year, um, especially off of the the Steeler game with the field goal. I uh, you brought this guy in, uh, like you said. What was the purpose of signing Hoyer if he is not going to start when? He's your insurance policy, right? He knows the offense, you know, and he's a veteran. He's not going to, you know, the moment's not going to be too big. They got history, right? Let's go to the injury uh, game because that is a pet peeve of mine from yesterday. We had two quarterbacks yesterday that are franchise quarterbacks. You got Jimmy G for us and you got Deshaun Watson for Cleveland. As of Thursday, neither one was going to play. Then come Friday, we, we start to get word that they're going to play. And we see the line, you know, move, you know, up and down, you know, depending on which, you know, side you want it. Obviously, when they said Deshaun Watson was going to play, we saw the line coming back down. I'm sitting at my desk as I am every Sunday morning and I got all my odd screens up and all of a sudden, and I'm on the phone with a buddy that's in the business with me. We're texting back and forth. And all of a sudden, I just see the board start lighting up on Baltimore. Two and a half, two, one and a half. And I, and I texted me, I said, this line's going to cross. I said, Watson's got to be out. There was no, I'm looking, no, nothing there. Five minutes later, all the beat writers are sending it out. Watson's out. Somebody knew. <laughs> Word got to the books. Mm-hmm. Somebody was betting, and it was a trickle-down effect all across town how fast that line moved. What are these guys doing with, with the injury reports that they're playing games back and forth? Josh McDaniels, I know why, because he learned from the master. Bill Belichick used to have everybody on the injury right. board. Everybody. Exactly. He doesn't want to give anything away yeah. to anybody, right? Yeah, specifically but the opponent. But Newsflash, yeah. Josh McDaniels is not Bill Belichick, okay? <laughs> All right. Not even close. 28-3 Baltimore. And we talked about that game. It was just a hard game to, to handicap, and I stayed away from it. But, man. But back to the Raiders game. All right. They lose 24-17, to and – 
it really wasn't even that close. When you look at the stats and the flow of the game, Chargers were in control of this game. Uh, Justin Herbert got injured, um, was treated on the sideline for a while. Uh, we'll take a look at him going forward, but still had enough and made some big plays, especially in that fourth quarter. Josh Jacobs had a touchdown run to cut the lead 2-7. But I don't know about you, just still never felt that the Raiders were going to pull this thing off. It's misleading final score. It is. Uh, you know my favorite stat in the entire world when it comes to football, right? It's third down conversions. The Raiders, one for 11. <laughs> Says it all? Right there, one for 11. Josh Jacobs, right? Can't run the ball again. 17 carries for 58 yards. We talked about Devontae Adams. Running his mouth and, you know, telling it like it is and how he feels. And I get that because I've said it time and time and time again over the last year plus now. It's not Green Bay. He's not happy, doesn't like to lose. And I said that that's going to rub off it if it hasn't already on other guys in this locker room. Josh Jacobs, listen to what he had to say after the game yesterday. For me, it's frustrating, man. I'm tired of losing. Just keep it 100. It's tired of losing, man. And I, I mean, I, I feel like every day I go in there and I, and I work so so eventually something got to give. Just the fact that it's close, is it like, okay, we're right there or is it just... Nah, man, that make it worse. <laughs> that make it worse, man, because that, that just means, you know, five to six plays, you do them right. Difference in outcome of the game. But, it's, but at the same time, you're tired of saying five or six plays, difference in outcome of the game. It's just time to do that. Alright, and... Uh... Josh Jacobs dropped a couple f bombs there. Basically, uh, you know what he said. <laughs> he said, "I am tired of effing losing, keeping it one hundred. Not a good locker room right now." And then we we heard Max Crosby. So a lot of people think, "Hey, Max Crosby, man, he's you know he, he, that guy's never going to go sideways on you." He was frustrated as well too. Uh, Devonta Adams, Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby. Your three best players, arguably, on this football team. And uh, this is not a good situation. You were a playoff team two years ago. And now you missed the playoffs last year, and you're even worse this year so far. How can you not? You know, the the team expected more. Uh, Jimmy G getting hurt, you know, that's – we knew at some point he was going to get hurt this year because he had just doesn't get through seasons. He takes, he takes hits all the time. It's not a good situation. What he does this week, you know, does he come back with Hoyer and go with, you know, the veteran? I say he doesn't because he's stubborn. He made that, you know, he made that move last week and he's going to live by it if Jimmy G's not able to go. I'm sure Garoppolo will be ready to go. I mean, yeah. And again, for people who are thinking, hey, this kid had a pretty good game, you know, looking at yardage and completions and that sort of thing. No, he... Uh, he was behind some receivers again when it mattered most. He's, he's not ready. He's not ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So eight of those completions were dump offs to Josh Jacobs. Exactly. Great point. But no, Garoppolo is your quarterback. There's no quarterback controversy. And if Garoppolo is in concussion protocol for two weeks, that's something major. So I mean, hey, if I'm setting a line right now, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to play? Next Monday night, and you have that extra day. It's minus four fifty. It's like Canelo Alvarez against Jamel Charlo, my friend. That's what that's it. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Raiders are are a mess. Back to Josh Jacobs. Seventeen rushes, fifty eight yards. It, this it, this is a story of him averaging two yards a carry for the guy that led the NFL in rushing. Can't be surprised. This is a guy that sat out all the training camp. Never works out, Marco. Never works out well for these guys that do that. And talk about the offensive line. Remember against Denver? I think it was the Denver game, right? Yeah. Didn't suffer a sack. Missouri clean. You got, your quarterback got sacked seven times. Six by one guy, Khalil Mack. But what has been always the biggest bugaboo for the Raiders? The penalties. Nine penalties yesterday for 80 yards. Three turnovers, two fumbles, one O'Connell interception against the Chargers. That None of this was good yesterday at all. Like you said, that final score, 
You know, you would think, okay, yeah, Chargers barely covered because they were, you know, six, five and a half, six, six and a half point favorite. But especially when we got word that, you know, Grapple definitely wasn't going to play, the line went up. Now, this was like a, a double digit game. And go to the game. It was 24 to seven, and in, in the Chargers, you know, kind of right. took their foot off the gas just trying to get out of there. Plus the fact that Herbert took that hit. And I want to go to that hit for a second. Everything that they've done in the NFL with the rule changes and stuff is to protect the quarterback. Except when he throws an interception. When he throws an interception, he's fair game. And I get that he's fair game, and I'm not saying that it was a dirty hit or a cheap shot, but did it really, did you, did he really need to level him the way he did on that play that he ended up, you know, injuring his non throwing hand? Mm-hmm. I didn't think he needed to. <sighs> no, I mean, the player does not need to do that, but again, if he's fair game, he's fair game. Like but any why? other situation, I mean, here's the deal. You throw a pick, you have to have your head on a swivel. It's like the defenseless receiver. I take that back. It's not like the defenseless receiver. Okay, There's a receiver who has his eyes on the ball. He leaps up. He's exposed. Okay, And if he gets, gets crunched like that, I mean, you, you see that play. And that is a point of emphasis with NFL officials and with coaches to instruct their defenders not to do that. I don't know. I just, and why are we talking about this when it was never an issue for the past 100 years in this game of football? Well, but you're changing all the rules to protect the quarterback, but you leave him out there on an island for throwing an interception. I, it's a good incentive not to throw picks. Okay. Correct. You know, that, yeah. you know, that. I can get that, but you're not. So what, you're not supposed to block a quarterback? Cause what? Cause he's a quarterback. This guy's an athlete. That These guys are great athletes, man. That it's wasn't like, a block. That was, he, he leveled them. I understand. He absolutely that. leveled I know. Them. I, under, I understand that. He could have blocked them. Yeah. He didn't have to level them. <laughs> okay. But for offensive linemen that are 280 pounds leveling and pancaking another guy who's 255 pounds, come on. You can't just sit there, oh, that's a little too rough, you know? I mean, especially when it's it's part of of the play. I mean, if you're going to block somebody, you th- what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to pity. No, you're going to take him out, man. He did. You know? <laughs> now, you can't block him from behind. You can't clip him. You can't do a personal foul. But if you do a legitimate block, I mean, if you take a, like I said, a 255-pound linebacker against a 185-pound quarterback, Lay him out. And they did. Legally. <laughs> you know, not go to the helmet, that sort of thing. So, I don't know. Uh, Devontae Adams. We want to hear from Devontae Adams? Let's hear from Devontae after the game. That's my job. My job is to be the one that, that's why I get paid the way that I do, to go and score touchdowns. I just, you know, and I I, I accept that burden, and it's not even a burden to me. That's, that's what makes it. Exciting for me is having those opportunities to go down and and finish a game and and uh, you know be the be a, be a big piece as to why that thing came together. So I don't I don't care about that. It's about doing everything. Everybody doing their part. Everybody doing their part doesn't mean everybody having you know 80 catches on a year. Uh, I can have as many as I need to have to make it to make it go. Everybody doing their part is for that play. Everybody doing what they got to do to make sure that that play works. And if you think about it like that, each and every play, then you gonna have good plays. This is a carryover from what Devontae Adams said last week after the Pittsburgh game. After he had 172 yards, and felt like, man, I'm I'm doing everything I can, but not everybody is on the same page. Not everybody is doing what they're supposed to. Football, as we know, it's 11 on 11, and it's assignment football. No matter what your position, everybody has an assignment. And what he's saying is that guys aren't doing their job. Okay, he's not calling out anybody specifically, but they know who they are in that locker room and in that huddle. And again, there's too many breakdowns. How do you have nine penalties for 80 yards? The Raiders have always been an undisciplined football team, okay, with personal fouls. How about Jerry Tillery? This guy, even though he went to Notre Dame, Jerry Tillery is always pretty much irritated me after he came to Notre Dame, maybe after his first, second season. He was like a kid in a candy store. And I never forget that he got in trouble uh, before the Ohio State game and the Fiesta Bowl going back, what, four years ago. And then last year, on this exact same field in this stadium when they played the Rams last year, 
He got a personal foul and literally cost him the game. Yesterday, he did the exact same thing, gets kicked out of the game again in that very same stadium, just not using his head. This guy is not a great player. but And for some reason, he just finds awkwardness and he finds a a spot to just cost his team, whether it's on the field or off the field. And he did that with Notre Dame. He had an off-the-field incident before the Fiesta Bowl that weakened their defense. And again, just not thinking. And now the same situation happened in this game uh, yesterday where he had a late hit. It goes back to, you know, when you're drafting a player, you're looking at the skill set, obviously, but you have to look at the person also. And that's been the question of a lot of the Raider players because it's every year we're talking about stupid mistakes, things that happen off the field that, you know, some were horrific, some were just plain stupid. But this team seems to have a lot of those kind of characters. And somebody's got to be held accountable when when you're drafting. You go through all of that. And I've got no no room to talk. I mean, they were great players. And I'm talking about, you know, Antonio Bell and uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. They both had character flaws. But, yeah. you know... We managed to get the most out of them while they were there. Tomlin was able to keep them railed, you know, corralled in. But once they went other places, we saw how off the rails they were. That goes to your scouting team in that. Mm-hmm. So that's on the Raiders. You know, Jerry Tillery, he was so frustrated because Herbert faked him right out of his shoes <laughs> on that play. And I'm sorry. Well, he actually fakes fake Max Crosby out of his shoes. And then Tillery comes over and Max just ran the guy out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And then here comes Tillery out of nowhere, just boom, and just levels uh, Justin Herbert. And he got kicked out of the game. Now, that would have never, ever happened anywhere else. It'd be just late foul, personal, you know, a, a foul, you know, personal foul, late hit, out of bounds, end of story. Now we're seeing ejections. I'm not saying I agree with that. But maybe it's because it was Jerry Tillery. Maybe it was a Ray. I have no idea, but it totally, totally uncalled for in that game. And uh, Herbert went down really hard. Again, it's your sup- it's your superstar yeah. that's getting hit. If it's a wide receiver, do they do they do that? Do they inject you know get ejected for the game? You got to protect your stars of the game because we know as we've seen some of these teams that have lost you know lost quarterbacks. Your season can be done right there. So I'm, I'm for, I wasn't a fan of protecting the quarterbacks. And you remember, was it Jack Ham or Jack Lambert that said, why don't we just put dresses on the quarterbacks when they kept changing the rules trying to protect the quarterback? But we've seen this league. There's a big drop off on every, just about every team when you go from the number one to the number two. All right. All right. We come back. Chuck Esposito will join us. We'll talk to Chuck. Talk about uh, what kind of day it was for these sports books. We know favorites pretty much dominated, right? For the most part. All right. We'll talk about that and more coming your way and a little Major League Baseball. The playoffs are set 162 games in the books. And yesterday saw some really um, twists and turns the way things worked out. So we'll hit that. And we got a little Monday night football preview tonight as the Seahawks play the Giants. Get wrecked with the Dr. T.C. Martin. going to do this again today, are we? We are not going to sit here and bash Team Chicago on this Monday. Sunday was horrible for Chicago. I mean, it was a bad day for the Bears, as it usually is. Bad day for the White Sox, as it usually is. And they're saying, thank goodness that season's over. But what happened to the Cubs? What happened to the Cubs? I mean, just a week or two ago, we're sitting there going, Postseason baseball in Wrigley. This is going to be great. Marco, what happened to the Cubs? Wow. Chuck Esposito, Mr. Cubby, 
He's wearing his Ernie Banks jersey today. What happened to the Cubs, man? I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed too, Keith. You know, it kind of collapsed down the stretch. You know, gave up a lot of uh, late inning leads. Didn't have their closer, Olazale, who had been pitching so well. I think he had the second most saves in baseball. Um, the second half of the season after the All-Star break, didn't have him the last few weeks of the season, and they just couldn't put teams away. Definitely a, a disappointing finish uh, to a team that was playing so well, um, you know, kind of right after the break. But, uh, hey, uh, it is what it is, and uh, excited about the teams that made the postseason and uh, looking forward to some day baseball starting tomorrow. Man, it, um, when you look at the Cubs, they ended up losing two out of three to close against the Brewers. Brewers firmly, you know, supplanted there in that uh, their spot of the NL Central at the three seed there, right? But the Cubs closed the season losing what five out of their last six. Man, that's that's too bad. And I know this team was kind of void of superstars. They finished, you know, four games above five hundred. And a lot of people say, well, they didn't deserve to make the playoffs anyway. But the Miami Marlins in the playoffs. How you feeling about that, Chuck? I mean, that's not a team that uh, people run to the window to bet. You know, TV, you look at the Marlins, and, and I believe I saw a stat that they're the only team in the modern era to finish last in run scored, um, but uh, but to make the postseason, which really you know screams that their pitching staff uh, has been really really good. Um, so uh, you know, hats off to them. They're in the postseason. They do have a. A young, talented pitching staff, maybe maybe some value with them a little bit, but they're running into a, a really hot Philly team who got hot at the right time last year. I think at the top of their rotation with Wheeler and Nola and the way that they can hit, they're a dangerous team to me. When you talk about kind of the Braves and Dodgers, after that in the National League, I think you look at Philly and they're kind of a sleeper team a little bit if you can call them that. Uh, but it's a Miami team, again, that gets by with pitching, and they're going to have to have really good pitching here because this Philly offense is high-powered. All right, the postseason does start tomorrow. Okay, there's four series. Uh, they'll play every day. They'll play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This is, remember, best two out of three in the opening round. Marco, let's let's take a look at these, and let's start with, with the series that Chuck just brought up there. It's the Marlins and the Phillies. Phillies are favored in game one. Uh, 165, Zach Wheeler's going to the hill. Uh, Jesus uh, Lasardo, uh, who's been very good for the Marlins. Uh, this Phillies team, 90 wins on the season. I know that you've talked about them and liked them before. I mean, this is a team that, uh, has plenty of power and they were in the World Series last year. How do you match up Phillies and Marlins? Well, again, when you look at this one, uh, you're going to look at Philadelphia, the hot team coming in right now. But when I like Miami and I like that starting pitching, you know, they're a team that, it, just like Philadelphia, when I've bet them, I've bet them more first five inning wagers than I have full game because I don't trust the Philadelphia bullpen at all. And Miami's has had problems at, at times too. And when you're not scoring a lot of runs, you want to get those first five in and get out of there. So this will be a good one. Philly should advance losing last year. You know, you always give the, that's a learning experience for a team that maybe really didn't expect to be there last year. They might have been a, you know, a year ahead of schedule, but, uh, I wish they would have did more for the bullpen with this team. Right. Right. All right. Um, Chuck, are you seeing any early action on, on this series or this game? We know you got to lay a price uh, with Philly tomorrow. Not a ton of early action yet, T, um, but uh, definitely a little Philadelphia money starting to show. I think just, you know, being that high-powered offense, and, and I agree that, um, you know, th th their bullpen isn't something that excites me, but, uh, but I think just the, the lack of maybe offense on the Miami side really is going to benefit, I, I think, Philly, or at least you're going to see more money bet on Philly because of that. How about this, Chuck? And this is something that uh, I know we touched on uh, a, a while back uh, when we were talking about the city of Miami, you know, when we, the Heat was in the finals and the Florida Panthers. But in this calendar year, you've got the Panthers, the Heat, the Dolphins, and the Marlins all in the postseason. We haven't seen that down in South Florida in a long, long time. Heck, I think you got to go back to 1997. I have not. I mean, it's exciting to be a you know Florida sports fan. I know you like you wanted you dissed a little bit on the on the Chicago fans and the Chicago teams, mm -hmm. but hey, Florida right now, you know, a, a lot of positive stuff on the sports side. Yeah, the Miami Hurricanes playing some pretty good football too on the college side, right? You know, oh uh, yeah, 
Yep. Not bad. Not bad. All right, guys. Uh, let's go to the American League. Like you said, Chuck, you got daytime baseball tomorrow, 1208 first pitch. The Rangers and the Rays. What a collapse by the Texas Rangers. How about this stat, guys? The Texas Rangers were leading the AL West for 159 games. How about that? 162 games they play and they led for 159 days. How insane is that? They have the total collapse. They get the sixth seed when it's all said and done. And the Astros get the, get the number two seed overall and win the AL West. And Tampa Bay just been sitting and waiting. We know they had a, a fantastic year sitting right behind Baltimore in the AL East. And, uh, but Tampa Bay has the third seed. They're a dollar fifty favorite tomorrow. And, uh, Tyler Glass now, uh, will get the start against Jordan Montgomery, who's been pretty good. Thoughts on that series, Chuck? Yeah, I think, you know, Tampa with the injuries that they had, um, it really hurt them as far as their pitching goes. And you're right about Texas. I think when you looked at the trades they made at the deadline and going into the season with what they had and what they ultimately ended up finishing with, it was a team that we thought would have some pitching. Now, in Texas's case, they're a much better home team than a road team. I think when you look at the teams in the postseason, um, they're one of the worst road teams. Uh, so for them, it's much more beneficial to be playing at home where they can score a lot of runs. Uh, so I think you're going to see some Tampa play here too. But I think game one's a game Tampa kind of has to win um, just because of how um, maybe the uncertainty of their pitching staff overall in the postseason. Chuck, uh, you look at Jordan Montgomery. There's He has pitched lights out his last four starts, and they've been all crucial games. He The last four teams he faced, Toronto, Boston, and then he closed the season two games against Seattle. Four starts, he went six, seven, seven, seven innings, going deep, something you don't see anymore. He's only allowed two runs in those four starts combined. Yeah, I mean, they're going to need him. There's no question about it. Um, to pitch well here. Um, and I think that's why when you look at these games outside of the Toronto-Minnesota game, uh, this is one of the lower uh, money line prices on Tampa. Uh, I think it's a big game for both these teams to, to kind of win game one and, and kind of set the stage for the rest of the series. I think you will see some Texas money just because of the way that they can score runs. But again, they are, they are just not the same team on the road as they are when they play in Arlington. You know, and then going back to that point about the Rangers collapse, Got to remember, if you go back just a week ago, week and a half ago, this team won six games in a row. They were on a six-game w- winning streak, and then they end up, you know, losing. Uh, they end up tied with the Astros, and the Astros won the tiebreaker because they dominated them in the head-to-head. But then you slide all the way to the sixth seed. I mean, that and you know, just emotionally, and especially yesterday, they lose a game one to nothing to a Seattle team that had nothing to play for. But George Kirby went out there, and he only pitched six innings yesterday, George Kirby, and got out of there probably, and didn't have a high pitch count at all. And Seattle had nothing to play for, and you can't score a run against Kirby or that Seattle uh, bullpen in a game you had to have. I mean, you talk about dejected. I don't know, you know. And I don't know if you factor that into your handicapping, Marco. Oh, I do. And go back to Jordan uh, Montgomery's last start. That is That sums up the Texas Rangers in a nutshell. I had Montgomery in that game. I went first five innings. I left with a 2-1 lead. They had the walk-off in the ninth inning. The bullpen once again collapsed for Texas, and they lose 3-2, just wasting another brilliant pitching performance, and that's been their M.O. And, you know, no mystery. I will have Texas first five innings in that game because Glass now, as good as he was midsummer. His last three of his last four starts have not been good. So you're taking Texas tomorrow? First five. First five. First five. You think they'd come out of the gate? Wow. Okay. Ah, Chuck might be liking that, you know. He's, he's inviting you over right now. Come on, Marco. You know, come on, come on over. Uh, Toronto. I, I said it too, though. I, I think we will see some, you know, some Texas money. And Marco brings up a good point. I mean, we, we have seen a lot more. Um, first five yeah. bet that's become a much more popular bet than say you know a few years ago now. And I think a lot of that is based on some of the starting pitching and what you see on the back end for some of these teams. So first five is is, is really when you can talk about baseball and, and where you've seen an increase in, in betting. Uh, first five definitely um, is at the top of the list. Toronto, Minnesota. You mentioned that Chuck. It's a uh, virtually a pick'em there, and the Twins a dollar fifteen favorite in game 
number one, Pablo Lopez going against Kevin Gausman there. That should be interesting. Might have an under written all over that too as well, Marco. And then you've got uh, Arizona and, and Milwaukee. Chuck, of all these series, which which series do you think will take the most action and maybe most two-way action too? You know, I think it, you're going to see good action on all of them. There's no question. And, I mean, I love afternoon baseball especially on, you know, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. You can have these games starting at noon and, and 1 o'clock. It really um, becomes something that the other side of the counter, the guests are really looking to parlay to other things that are going on that night or throughout the week. I think you're going to see Texas and Tampa and Miami and Philly uh, draw the, the highest handle. Although the pitching matchup for Toronto and Minnesota, I think, is outstanding. Mm-hmm. All right, Chuck Esposito joins us over at uh, Red Rock Station Casinos Properties. And again, day baseball starting tomorrow. We've got four games. Uh, this is the postseason. We're in October. I uh, can hardly wait for this. Chuck, let's go back to the NFL yesterday. And uh, how, uh, how excited uh, were you to see uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, take, the, uh, take the slide, slide, slickety slide to the two-yard line? Probably one of the best slides I've seen in years, guys. Uh, <laughs> better than you Pete, know, just, better uh, than Pete just, Rose back in the day, huh? I mean, just the uh, just the emotion I think from both sides of the counter. Um, you know, it was a morning that we did fairly okay in, um, but the afternoon you had all three favorites um, win and, and cover. Uh, you had the Cardinals come down and and drop passes at the end of that game. Um, you know, by, by Zach Ertz and I think Pascal had you know two drop passes that would have been touchdowns. And then you had the Raiders get down, you know, close to scoring, too, uh, and have the INT. So there was two late games that we clearly were in that got turned over. Um, so there was some serious liability going into the, the night game last night. There's no question at 17-0, I was already kind of chalking it up as a loss. Um, probably would have been the worst Sunday of the year uh, for our side of the counter at that point. Um, but, you know, sometimes they, they work our way and sometimes they don't. And in this particular case, it was the right decision to make. If you think about last year, and I know, I think Marco and I may have talked about this last year, you know, Browns-Jets, uh, Chubb scores the touchdown. And they give up the, the, the onside kick, the touchdown and then the onside kick and lose. So by taking the slide, Patrick Mahomes guaranteed him his team 100% that they were going to win that game. Yeah, I was at a casino last night, Chuck, playing poker, and uh, it you could see there were more people that wanted the touchdown that did. Oh, sure. You know, and yep. I I was rooting for you, Chuck. I, I knew you had a liability <laughs> there, and I wanted it. You know, I, I might have had a little jet ticket in my back pocket. But, <laughs> there you but go. I, but I like you, it, Chuck, so remember I mean, that. When, when, I appreciate it. When, when he did, you know, kind of break the containment, and was heading to the end zone. I mean, it was a loud eruption in the room. You know, talking to my guys, I mean, it was loud. You could hear people yelling, go, and yes, and touchdown. And then when he took the slide, unfortunately, I can't repeat what was screamed in the room on the radio, uh, but totally, you know, different atmosphere. But, you know, you look at games like that, and there's games like that, guys, every weekend. Um, On Saturday, you had Penn State Northwestern, a game that Northwestern was in the entire game. Um, Turned the ball over late. Uh, clearly, and I think the score was at the time 34-10. Um, Penn State could have just, you know, taken a knee, run, ran, ran the clock out, brought in a backup quarterback. It looked like he faked the knee, threw a touchdown pass over the middle. Uh, the point spread was 27. The game was on 24. That touchdown pushed it to 31. So games like that happen all the time. Um, I think it was just magnified because this was a, you know, primetime Sunday night game, Jets-Chiefs. Uh, but it was a dramatic swing industry-wide, uh, no question about it. Chuck, you brought up another Chicago team. Northwestern, there's another There's another one. Oh, what is that? Chuck, I hope you're taking notes that all of the Chicago... <laughs> I, I, I know, payback's going to be rough, Mark, so don't worry. Uh, okay, don't you know, worry. When, when you're handing out the, those uh, those comps, uh, you, know, you know, just remember which guy was, you know, busting your oh, stones yeah, don't, on you. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've, I've got it marked down, buddy. Don't worry. I'm not, no, I'm not just making some uh, factual commentary no, here. I'm, I'm all good. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. I, and I'm not, no, I'm not slashing. I'm just saying, how ironic is this? 
Like I said, I, what, what do you mean he's not slashing? I'm, I'm telling you, if they could put him in a penalty you. box, he'd get a he'd get a five minute major uh, by now. Hey, I wanted to see the Cubs in the postseason. Come on, man, you heard me say that. Me too. Jeez. Me too, buddy. Me too. Oh man. All right, Chuck. Uh, let's. I will. You know, touching on something else going into yeah. tonight's game that you know the outcome of last night's game, guys, really affected um, you know the liability going into tonight's game. Uh, having the the three leg favorites win and cover easily. Uh, had the Chiefs ended up winning by 10 instead of 3, there would have been substantial liability, I think, industry-wide and throughout the country going in tonight. We've seen, you know, the Giants opened up the favorite. Uh, it's been bet, you know, really one-sided in favor of the Seahawks. Ticket count about 3-1 to one in favor of the Seahawks. Um, so there would have been a much different liability level going into tonight's game um, had the Chiefs actually covered last night. I was going to ask you, Chuck, with this line the way it is, I mean, midweek, the Giants were the favorite. They were one and a half on Wednesday. And you're talking about a four-point move. You know, I know it's not – we say a four-point move, but when you're going through the zero, you know, it's it's different. But still, this is a big move for not having an injury. Is this a case of sharp action or is it the Joes, or is this one of those rare cases where it is the Sharps and the Joes on the same side? I think it's more the the Joes, Marco. I mean, and and you're when you say not having an injury, technically that's true. But you know, I think there was more optimism um, early in the week, and especially you know the Giants had the extra time to prepare that Saquon Barkley would play in this game. They talked about that he maybe could have gone against the 49ers on that Thursday night game, and everything seemed to target that he was going to play tonight. So it's not a new injury, but I think the fact that he's so doubtful tonight and when that came out kind of you know after that midweek mark, that that kind of pushed it a little bit in favor of Seattle. Now, for me, both teams have been a little bit of underachievers this year. We know the struggles the Giants have had. They, you know, they trailed the Cardinals. They came back in that second half. I don't think Seattle's looked great. I thought Andy Dalton was able to move the ball easily against their back end. I think that's their Achilles heel is that secondary. Um, So I think, you know, if this game were to get to three, I would say there's tremendous value, in my opinion, on the Giants at home. Um, But a little surprised that we've seen such a dramatic line move against a Giants team that was really kind of a popular bet um, in the offseason. But uh, we are Giants fans tonight, but again, not nearly in the position we would have been had the Chiefs covered last night. Yeah, and that that's what's perplexing to me, Chuck, when you look at this game, because I actually like the Giants in this game, and I don't understand why the one-sided money, unless it has it's related to Barkley, because Barkley's not going to play. And that that's what I attribute it to, but you don't think it's it, it's that? Because I don't think the Giants... Well, I, I do think that's a big part of it, T. I think yeah. once you knew for sure he wasn't going to play... I mean, the Giants have not looked good offensively. Um, they, they, you know, with, with Thomas uh, out on the offensive line, without Barkley, Bereda hasn't really been able to run the ball. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't really stretched the field. Waller had some key drops. Um, I, I think there's a number of issues there. I really like their coach a lot. Um, for whatever reason, both these teams who were, you know, I think overachievers last year, surprise playoff teams, haven't played, you know, great this year. Giants are at home. We saw both New York teams, um, you know, lose and play poorly in the first Monday night and Sunday night games. You know, and, and now you have a, an opportunity now. I'm sure you did have the Jets win that game, but they didn't play great. But now you have an opportunity. The Jets came back last night. And, again, I think there's some value on the Giants. Myself, too, when the number first came out, I favored the Giants in the game. I actually made them a small favorite, and I was, I'm kind of surprised at the way that it's been, but clearly, you know, you can just tell by the ticket count, um, it continues to get greater, um, you know, with each passing hour. Uh, there's no question we're going to be G-Men fans tonight. So, Chuck, how did the, uh, the Chargers cover in the victory uh, affect you guys, and, and what was that reaction like in the book? You know, it, it was kind of the first time that the the guests really had gone away from the Raiders. Um, and, you know, anytime you have a rookie quarterback starting it, and guys, we, we've talked about this so many times, what the impact is. Now, there wasn't quite the drop-off from uh, Garoppolo to uh, O'Connell as, you know, if you get a, a big-time quarterback out, one of the top, you know, top three or four quarterbacks in the league. But this was a case where, you know, betting public was really in favor of the Chargers. It was, I think, at least two and a half to one. You saw the dramatic line move. Uh, they fell behind early, had a chance late. 
but this was a case where really the room, you could tell by the, the, the atmosphere, the crowd, the sounds, and definitely the ticket count was in favor of the Chargers yesterday. So probably the first time all year we had been Raider fans. And we were on the wrong side of it yesterday. All right, yeah, favorites. Uh, I don't want to say dominated yesterday, but they 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 got most of the money yesterday. All right, Chuck, we appreciate the time as always, my friend. Enjoy the game tonight. Playoff baseball tomorrow. It's a it's a fantastic time. I know how much you love uh, spreading the action around there. As far as you know, you know morning games. We don't have a morning game tomorrow, but we could here in the next couple of days as well too. Especially with all four of these series. Especially if we get you know, some maybe some game threes coming up on the on the on the baseball side, and then uh, football. We get uh, right back at it again on on Thursday. And then we got a Monday night football game next week that uh, we'll talk to you about here at Allegiant Stadium with the Packers and the Raiders, and I'm sure that will do great business as well. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Anytime you've got a primetime game here and a public team like the Packers against the Raiders, it should draw a tremendous handle, guys. So always enjoy chatting with you. We'll see what happens tonight, but uh, looking forward to some baseball this week. You got it, brother. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, boys. There it is. Chuck Esposito, uh, the executive director of race and sports at Station Casinos and his hub over there at Red Rock. A fantastic place to go watch the games and uh, use use the STN mobile app. I'm on the Giants, man. You on the Giants with me tonight? I'm on the Giants with you, pure and simple. Barkley's not worth four points. And that's I, what yeah. they're saying. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I look at a team when they've had success, you know, traveling, not say cross-country, but, you know, but didn't, didn't Seattle get a victory in Detroit a couple weeks ago as well, too? They did. Yeah. You know, asked them to do that again. And, you know, even though they had a home game last week, and I'm still not sold on Geno Smith at all. And I think, you know, Daniel Jones is is getting better, and he's better than what we've seen so far this year. So, yeah, I, I think the Giants are a live dog, a home dog. But any team that plays in that stadium, Marco, I think they're they're hexed. I know. You're going to have a teaser pleaser. You're going to, you're I already going to, got the teaser pleaser. Yeah. 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 But, well, actually, I got two. I got, I got the teaser pleaser and I got a money line. I got plus money on the money line. I, I made both of those plays yesterday on the Giants. So I'm, I'm, I want, I want, uh, I'm going for the daily double. Let's do it. I want to hit them both. I hope but, you hit them both and I'll let you take me out to eat to celebrate. Absolutely. There you go. I would even invite you uh, out to where I'm watching the games tonight, Marco. I might get an invitation where you won't have to spend one dime. I already, unfortunately, I've got plans around the see, corner from here. See? Again, Invitation. last minute, last minute. Never never, never gives you, well, you know, a heads up. How many times have you said before about, you know, you don't want to be with someone who's rooting against you? I just found out you were on the same side. So now you get the invite. And this is kind of a, a late thing that just came up. Yeah. So there you go. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out, tcbartonshow.com. Check out the article on the homepage with the Aces. You can still see... Or listen to the Becky Hammond interview regarding Asia Wilson and the MVP voting. That's still up there and everything else as well. Go to wagertalk.com, get Marco's plays. He's got baseball games tomorrow, of course, the NFL game tonight, and uh, action this week as well, too. Go to wagertalk.com. My man, enjoy your meal and the games tonight. Thank you. You got it, man. For Numbchuck, TC said so long. Back at it again tomorrow for a terrible Tuesday. Oh, yes, our great guests from the baseball side will be joining us as well this week. NFL, college football. So hang tight with us right here, 2 to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday.